This episode, a further look at the earned income credit and the child tax credit. The IRS is traditionally been an enforcement-focused organization, but as these credits expand, they are gradually changing more into a benefits administration program. How does the IRS feel and work with this? Thank you for tuning in to Tax Justice Warriors. Welcome to Tax Justice Warriors, the podcast that celebrates the work of low-income taxpayer clinics, focuses on tax controversy work, and looks at related issues in tax news. I'm your host, William Schmidt, the director of the Low-Income Taxpayer Clinic at Kansas Legal Services. With this episode, I am going to look some more at the child tax credit and the earned income credit. Part of this is because the American Rescue Plan is going through the Houses of Congress, that it was that the American Rescue Plan has been going through Congress, that first it was passed by the House, then it went through the Senate, there were some changes, and then it passed. So it has to be reconciled once again in the House before full passage through Congress, and then approval by the president before it can go into law. But at this rate, with passage in both the House and Senate, then it seems like it is a foregone conclusion that it will be fully passed, basically as it passed in the Senate, that everyone else will agree to those terms to get it to be fully passed into law. And so within the plan itself, I am focusing on the child tax credit. Now, the American Rescue Plan is going to temporarily expand the child tax credit for the 2021 tax year, so next year's tax season. First, the plan is going to allow 17-year-old children to qualify. Second, it will increase the credit to $3,000 per child but specifically $3,600 per child under the age of six. Third, it removes the $2,500 earnings floor. Fourth, the credit is fully refundable. And fifth, it is allowing half of the credit to be paid in advance by having the IRS send periodic payments to families from July 2021 to December 2021. Now, the goal of those monthly payments is to benefit those families, giving them a dependable resource that they are paid on that monthly basis, that there are certainly some organizations and groups that feel that the monthly payments would be better for families to depend on, though I have heard that there is also the frame of mind that there are some families that would prefer to focus on receiving their annual payment that they can plan their year around it and adjust accordingly in how they spend their money throughout the year. So first, I wanted to give a little bit of background on some of these credits. I spoke in episode 137 about the child tax credit, so I'm not going to give the full focus that I did there, 
But as background, the child tax credit was first introduced in 1998, that the credit was at $400 and increased to $500 in 1999, increased again to $1,000 for 2003 and four. That was supposed to end in 2010, but extended through 2012, the $1,000 amount. And then the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act doubled the amount per qualifying child, raising from $1,000 to $2,000. It made up to $1,400 of the credit refundable, and it increased the income thresholds to make the child tax credit available to more families. So going through on the child tax credit, it is refundable for those who meet certain income requirements and their credit values exceed their tax liabilities. So first of all, the child tax credit is non-refundable, reducing the tax liability for the individual. And then after that amount, the credit is eligible for being refundable for the taxpayer that is then called the additional child tax credit, which is calculated as 15% of the taxpayer's adjusted gross income over $2,500, and that refund is capped at $1,400. Now next, I wanted to mention the earned income tax credit. That provides benefits to working recipients with earned income but it is not based on unearned income. So by that, specifically, earned income includes salaries, wages, tips, professional fees, and other amounts received as pay for work actually performed. And it is not counting earned income to qualify. So unemployment, retirements such as pensions, alimony, child support, interest, dividends, social security benefits, including disability, or veterans benefits. So again, this is to promote for individuals to be working, receiving that those salaries or wages and tips. It is promoting active sources of income, and passive sources of income do not count as earned income to qualify for the credit. Now, in general, there are Individuals who qualify for the earned income credit without having a child, but certainly the more children a taxpayer has, the larger of a credit they would receive. That has led to some fraud in the past on claiming children incorrectly because of the high benefit of the refundable earned income credit. And as some background on the earned income credit, it started in 1975, and it has been expanded over the years. So to cite 1986, 1990, 1993, 2001, and 2009, there was different legislation that expanded the credit, and some of those expansions happened even when there was lowering of taxes or other credits were reduced or eliminated, and the earned income credit has been cited as one of the largest anti-poverty tools in the United States. So overall, I wanted to give that background that, for one, the earned income credit is used to promote work, and the child tax credit 
is used to benefit families with children, and the citations point out that these are used to prevent poverty and that they are often successful in doing so. So again, that is one of the reasons why the child tax credit is being directed to be provided on a monthly basis later in this year through that legislation to benefit those families during the pandemic by receiving benefits on a monthly basis rather than just at one time during the tax season or at various times with the economic impact payments or stimulus payments as they are commonly known. Now, one issue I wanted to focus on is the IRS, that for one thing, they have to look at how they distribute these benefits. So to some degree, stimulus and or economic impact payments have been distributed through direct deposit, and they had been sent out by paper checks, but now they are often being sent out through a card like a debit card that the government can use the card to provide money, perhaps as a prepaid card. So to some degree, they are looking at how to administer these benefits. So they are having to expand their program for economic impact payments to the child tax credit, making it not just a one-time distribution, but a monthly distribution. So making sure that those are reliable resources for providing the tools, but also I wanted to bring up that the IRS has been traditionally focused on enforcement of the tax laws. So they are looking at how people are complying with filing their taxes, but also how correctly they are reporting their income when they are filing their taxes. Do they list all of their income streams? And so enforcement may lead to different levels of audits and examinations. Then following that process, whether the taxpayer fully listed all of their information or not, but if they have a liability, then what follows is the collection process where, once again, the taxpayer may be sent various notices and then looking at whether they are going to comply with those notices with regard to collections as well. So one of the questions is, what kind of mindset is the IRS going to be in moving forward? Do they want to be in a enforcement mindset focused on examinations and collections? Do they want to be in a benefits administrator role where they are distributing payments on a monthly basis to the taxpayers? Do they figure out some hybrid model that is able to pivot and do both? Or how do they adjust to these roles? As some issues, the IRS has been underfunded, so 
there has been lack of staffing to where various departments get backed up. And so I certainly have the question on how lack of staffing will affect what focus they give in their different roles as well. Now, I certainly don't have all of the answers, but I would say that this is one question that the IRS needs to look at that I don't know if it should be termed an identity crisis, but one question is what is the IRS's role in today's society and how how do they want to direct their focus in how they integrate these different roles that they are taking plus one question would be also that the IRS tries to focus on compliance by providing a stick to people that they are scaring people into complying with their tax filing and payment obligations, but then do they also want to be providing the rewards on the other hand where they are the friendly IRS that is distributing the refunds, credits, or economic impact payments to those in need on a regular basis. So that is certainly a bit of an existential question that I think the IRS may need to look at on the perceptions that people have about them for how they are interacting with the public. So this episode got a little bit philosophical on the nature of the IRS, but this is certainly something that I think would help them, certainly as they are looking at their customer service going forward, that it does play a role in what kind of people they are going to be moving forward. I hope this is helpful in your dealings with the IRS on a regular basis. Perhaps it will inspire us or them to change in some way moving forward that will help everyone. And I thank you for tuning in to Tax Justice Warriors. Thank you for listening to Tax Justice Warriors. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to support this podcast. Providing monetary support for this podcast helps with expenses like equipment or travel to tax conferences. Supporting this podcast through Patreon comes with rewards, so check out our Patreon page. Please rate or review this podcast because positive reviews help get more people to know this podcast exists. The views expressed on this podcast are not official opinions of the IRS, the Low Income Taxpayer Clinic Program, or the employers of the people who spoke on this program. Your tax situation is unique, so do not take the statements on this program as tax or legal advice. Consult with your own tax professional to provide you with specific advice on your situation. Tune in next time on Tax Justice Warriors for another interesting tax discussion.